Hi there. Before we get into the next episode, I just wanted to say that um, I'm now currently running a GoFundMe campaign and I'm just trying to get attention put onto it in any way that I possibly can. I will include a link in this episode's information. And if you could take a look, read through the campaign and possibly donate If you're not able to donate, that's totally okay. If you could share it anywhere that you're comfortable sharing, I would appreciate it. It will help so much. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of On the Nose. Today, my co-host is a big-ass air conditioner that's sitting in the room with me and is currently running and making a whole lot of noise that I'm actually hoping you can't hear, so it'll be a silent co-host. But if you can hear it, then, you know, it's offering its input in the form of... (laughs) My voice is sounding a little rougher than usual, at least to me, um, because I was feeling emotions earlier and I got leaky, and that tends to make me all, you know, rough and phlegmy. Amos is currently behind me walking around and I'm kind of waiting for him to start talking. But ever since we moved, he's been a lot quieter. I don't know, maybe he's just not feeling the co-host thing, but uh, we shall see. Also, I got this cool little table because I'm like, you know, in between houses and don't have working space. And I think I just broke it because that's what I do. I'm really good at breaking things. Um, I think it'll still be functional for doing crafting, but um, it made a really bad cracking and then bent a bunch when I was trying to adjust the microphone arm. Um, it looks okay now, so maybe I created a weak spot. I don't know. I, I'll inspect it later. And I probably won't remember to update you on what actually happened with it. So I wanted to share this article that I read. Um, it's about belly button fluff. And actual scientists have taken the time to, like, look into what actually gets collected in our belly buttons and kind of, like, what setup, what kind of belly button setup is required in order to collect stuff in the belly button in, like, large amounts and stuff. And I just, sometimes, like, scientists get curious about things that, like, I just find really, really funny. Um... You know, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And it's cool that they actually have the tools to like chase down answers on this stuff. But at the same time, it's like also the question that didn't actually ever needed to be answered. And yet I'm so glad that we have the answer. I'm so glad that people chase their curiosity because there's so much joy in that. So I'm pulling from an article on the Washington Post. I actually have a friend who gives me like, Uh, regular free subscriptions to it. I was having a hard time finding the word there um, so that I can just read stuff um, since I can't afford an actual subscription. Um, And I really, really appreciate that because it's it's nice to, you know, I admit that I do use it a lot for like the advice columns and mismanners because I find them like fascinating because I don't really think about things the way that the average person does. And there's a lot of lying in this advice that I don't agree with at all. I'm very like, just say what you mean and say exactly how you feel. And 
they'll be like, well, in actuality, the correct way to navigate this would be to not do that, but to do blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, really? Okay, well, I'm going to do it wrong because I'm still going to do it my way. So there is a scientist, George Steinhauser of the Vienna University of Technology in Austria, and he collected 503 pieces of belly button junk over three years. Upon elemental analysis, he found that belly button lint contains house dust, skin cells, and sweat in addition to fibers of shirt. This is something that we could all say we knew was there without actually, you know, confirming it. And yet it has been confirmed now. So now we know that we are all correct. And then they go on to say, after additional investigations of his friends, family, and colleagues, he concluded that abdominal hair was a prerequisite for accumulating navel lint and that old t-shirts or dress shirts were less likely to produce fluff than new clothing. My washing machine could tell you that too. The scientist even shaved his own belly for the purposes of confirming his abdominal hair hypothesis. <laughs> uh, he speculated that people who collect navel lint may have more hygienic belly buttons than those who don't because all the extra junk is swept up by lint instead of sticking to the skin. But as for the cleaning part of the question, it's recommended to clean your belly button just as you would any part of your skin. Uh, besides abdominal hair and new clothing, there are a few other factors that shape why and how we accumulate junk in our belly buttons. This is where I started doing the, well, obviously. Um, so another, I don't know how to say it, Carl Kruzelnicki. I'm sorry, I butchered that. The University of Sydney in Australia surveyed 4,799 people and observed that being male, ha having an innie rather than an Audi and older age were all associated with accumulating more lint. His work was among the winners of the 2002 Nobel Prize, which is awarded to humorous scientific achievements. Though... Um, <laughs> and as further proof that true selfless pursuit of knowledge knows no bounds, in 2018, a mechanical engineer from the Indian Institute of Technology, Patna, decided he was going to ask some real tough questions. What are the physics behind belly button lint production? And can it be mathematically modeled? He determined that microscopically, body hair acts like a sawtooth to extricate lint fibers from fabric during the periodic motion of our respiratory cycle, inhaling and exhaling, wherein our shirts rub constantly against our abdomens. Because the hair in that area tends to stoop towards the depression of the navel, the lint, navel, the lint fibers hooked onto them travel deep into the belly button, eventually losing contact with the fabric. As the influx of lint continues, it intermingles with sweat and skin cells, and the result is a nice, compact mass of fluff that accumulates with mathematical precision. It begins linearly and then grows quadratically with time, if you must know. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I don't collect lint in my belly button. I do get like a buildup of like, I have like a couple of like these little uh, folds and I'll get a little bit of dirt, but like it takes like months for it to accumulate this like, it's less than a piece of rice sized stuff. So, you know, I just like wash it out and every now and again, 
it'll be like, because you have to like pull the skin apart to get in there. So, but yeah, I don't have the kind of belly button that collects. It's not an any any, but it's also not an Audi. It's a shallowy, shallow. I can collect water in it, but that's about it. So last Friday, which will be several Fridays ago by the time this gets published, I flew to Arizona. I flew to Phoenix from Oakland, and then I flew back from Phoenix to Oakland all in the same day. And when I got to Phoenix, I got a car, and the person that rented me the car was very nice and complimented me on my necklace, which is really cool because it's one that I made, and it was the first time I'd actually wore one out of the house. So the first person that saw me complimented me, and I was like, success. I didn't give him my business card because I got shy and I need to work on that because I really should be giving out my business card to like every single person I make eye contact with. Like, hi, how you doing? Here's my card. Check out the cool photography. There he is. Um, So I got the rental car, which only had 200 miles on it. And yet it had this chemical smell in it that was not a new car smell. It was like something they cleaned it with. And every time... I breathed in, I could smell it. And when I exhaled, I could taste it. It was awful. Like I was, I was trying to like put all kinds of flavors in my mouth to get rid of it. I tried like uh, fast food. I tried like coffee. I tried gum. Just, it was, oh, it was bad. I was so uncomfortable. Um, So I drove to Prescott, which is approximately 80 miles. It's not that far, but um, I didn't really sleep the night before. So I did pull over and take a nap because I started to feel tired and I have like a, a very strong uh, rule that I follow that if I start to feel tired, I will pull over and take a nap. And like never driving under the influence of anything, including sleep deprivation. This is a moral calling to me. So I feel very strongly about it. So I drove to Prescott where I did an inspection of the RV after they did the roof work. And this is literally like a five-minute visit. So I, it, yeah. But the person that I met with, um, Sean, he's the, like the shop manager. He hung out and like talked with me for a while and took some measurements that I needed. So I know what size like washing machine to get and stuff like that and um, made it a little bit more of a trip. And then I went to downtown Prescott and just hung out and got some ice cream and looked at some different shops and was like amazed at the price differences for things like clothing and whatnot. Um, And there was a sticker there. One of the shops had a sticker that was just like one of the ones in my shop that I made. Artwork was a little bit different. The message was was the same which was don't be a prick and there's a cacti or a cactus. There was a cactus, not multiple, uh, on the sticker. But it was just like a plain plain one, whereas mine has it has a face and, and stuff. It's like a little bit cuter. So that kind of was interesting because like one, I got to see something similar to mine in the wild and see what they charge for it. But also be like, mine's actually better. Like, um, in my opinion, like I had like a real strong, yeah, mine is actually better kind of thing. Not like an ego thing, but just like, um, I don't know what that word is. 
because I, I'm like not the kind of person who's going to look at something and instantly think that mine is better, right? But I did look at it and think that. So if it wasn't mine and they were sitting side by side, I would still think mine was better, if that makes sense. So I'm not like, I'm not trying to be like egotistical, just, yeah. But I'm sure that there's cells a lot more than mine because it's in front of people and I can't fucking get people to look at my shop. Like the ad, I'm running ads. I'm actually spending money to try to get my shop in front of people. And it's getting in front of lots of people, but it's not getting any clicks. And I'm frustrated because I have good photos. My stuff is like good quality. And it's just, there's so much competition on Etsy. And yeah, you know, and it's hard to compete with like the mass producers that they're allowing on there. Um, who make stuff that aren't even really like, aren't even really that great, but people will be like, well, that's cheaper. I'm just going to go for that, you know? And yeah, I already have, I already keep my prices low enough to try to compete, to try to be in the middle between like the people that charge a lot for handmade stuff and then like these mass produced like assholes and I'm not really making that much money on my stuff. Like every time I have a sale at that point, I'm just not making money. Like, so, which is why I don't do a lot of sales. Because at some point it's like my, it basically means that my time isn't worth anything. I'm not really, I'm not really including the time that I put into making stuff with the exception of a couple of my scarves where I do have the prices up higher for that time. But even then, if you break down the hourly, it's not that much like, one of my strand scarves took me 36 hours and I'm charging like 80 bucks for it. So it's not, you know, the hourly is not really that, that great. But I am hoping that I will be doing some events or tables and I'm hoping that that will make a difference. I don't know. I just have this fear that I'm never going to break through and I'm never going to break out of my friend circles. And it feels, I really like, and really appreciate that my friends like my stuff that they want to buy it. And as long as they're buying it because they want it, that's cool. But I can't, it's not sustainable, you know, like my friends, I can't rely on just them. And I need to like break out of that. And I've been doing all the things that you're supposed to do. And it's just been like a struggle. And I'm struggling to get people to help like share my stuff which is like a big part of it. Like the only way to really get a get a like consistent outreach to people outside of my friend circles is if my friends actually share my stuff. Um, and there are a couple people that do that, but like other people don't. They say they will, but I have multiple accounts. So like people say they repost my stuff and you like on TikTok, you can't see repost if you're in that in the account that got the repost, but I have other accounts and you can see all the reposts on any post and I can see that they didn't actually do it. So I don't know why people are like, hey, I love this. I reposted and then they didn't repost like why they say that. But yeah, so that's a thing. And, you know, if people don't want to support, then that's fine. I just wish they would be honest about it. Anyway, so back to the trip. Um, the roof looked amazing, like amazing. Um, I don't know if I can share pictures like directly on the 
podcast like post, but basically the way the roof looked before was like the standard RV rubber membrane, but um, they put the rubber membrane basically over cardboard and then like the corners where where this membrane, where this layer and the membrane attached were also cardboard. So this almost 20 years old RV roof has been relying on cardboard to keep it in place. And of course, that has totally fallen apart and degraded. And they sent me pictures. They were able to just lift up the roof. It was not like well affixed anymore. And they were able to just lift it and peel it back. It looked like a freaky fucking cheap ass sandwich from one of those like, you know, corner markets. And you don't know how old it is. And if the bread is even actually bread. And yeah. And like, it was just like, whoa, you know, because this RV was probably worth a hundred grand when it was brand new back in 2004. And they literally just put out this line of product that they used cardboard for the freaking roof. Like, what the heck, man? So the roofing place actually fabricated um, using sheet metal, like new edges. And then um, the the roof itself, the, the membrane and all of that gets cut off. They just like slice that shit off. And then um, in order to make sure that everything like stays attached, they created like fabricated um, new pieces to replace what those cardboard pieces were. I don't I don't even know what they're called or not brackets, but something. It's like went around the edge. And like when I decided to get the roof, I was really nervous about the expense, but I kept, my gut just kept being like, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this because you'll be preventing issues and prevention is like a huge thing for me. And as I mentioned in other episodes, like roofs are a really common source of like just absolute destruction to RVs and they're a lot of work. So, you know, it seemed like it was worthwhile, but then they end up like finding this issue and it's like, you know, my gut is just like, we are vindicated, you know, because I basically needed a new roof anyways. And I just went and got a roof that cost significantly less than going and getting like an OEM style one. So that was pretty cool. But anyway, I, I feel like I've talked about that before and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but um, that's kind of how I process information is like I sort of chew through it, it from different directions multiple times. Um, so getting to see the new roof is like all smooth and it just looks like it's part of the RV, like it's always been there, but it's like so nice looking. Um, and all the like, they reattached all the solar and all that looks really nice and the wiring looks nice. And they added like these new um, covers for the the vents and stuff like that that also look nice. And, you know, they let me go in and take pictures and go up on the scaffolding and take pictures from that there and just like showed me stuff. And um, it was cool. Like, you know, and I, I got like a little booklet with like information and they gave me like this it's a sample of what the roofing material is it has their business name in it and stuff and it's, it's kind of cheesy but it's also kind of fun I personally think that they should make those into keychains and then people can just like have a keychain that represents the super expensive roof that they put on their RV 
overall, I'm glad that I took the trip. I don't know. I don't know. I like, I forgot what I was going to say now, but basically like, you know, it was about $300 plus I spent some money on food, which I think was like another $40. Um, and, you know, they wanted me to come down and do the walkthrough and then also like bring payment. And it feels like a lot of extra, but they were really like adamant about it. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this. But it kicked my ass. I didn't sleep the night before. And then when I got back, Amos was just like full of it. And he didn't let me sleep when I got back. And so I had like this full day without enough sleep. And I spent like five hours at the airport, just like in so much pain because the chairs are so uncomfortable. And I was like too tired to like walk around and like I had a bag to carry and just, yeah. So that used up like a ton of energy. I get back, I'm absolutely exhausted. I should have just been passed out. But Amos like was like jumping on my face. He was just full of it. Or it took him like two days to start settling down. And the next day I just, I woke up two hours later. I was already like sleeping again. I was just completely tired. Um, and yesterday was similar, but not as bad. And today is a little bit better, but I'm still, I'm still feeling the residuals. You know, it's like one of the things that's really frustrating about my health issues is just that like, everything has this really high cost. And I felt like I had kind of gotten used to it. And then I had major surgery in February. And ever since then, it's just been worse. Like I never used to nap. And now I have to take naps most days. Um, and I'm hoping that eventually I'll get far enough away from the surgery that I'm not going to like experience this kind of like exhaustion because it goes beyond like fatigue. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like when I need a nap, I get really sick and there's like the longer I wait to take a nap, the sicker I feel. And like the only thing I need to do is lay down and like snooze for like a half an hour and then I feel like better. And I am not excited by that and I'm hoping that that gets better. Like I know there are worse things in life than having to take naps, but like the fact that I get exhausted so easily that I have to take sometimes two naps in a day is not, it's not, it's not what, it's not the energy level that I want to be working with. I want to do more. I want to be able to do more, you know, and I'm really glad that I can do the stuff that I can do, but all of those things have a cost, like sitting up and like working on my jewelry and all of that, like will completely wipe me out sometimes. Um, and, you know, like working on the podcast is not as hard hard on me. It's like physically painful right now because I don't have like a good setup. And hopefully once I'm in the RV, I will have a better setup. That is the goal is to have something that's like physically friendlier. So then it won't use as much energy because I won't be hurting as much. Um, and the same for my crafts and all that. But that's going to take time because I am out of money. <laughs> so I can't buy any of the shit that I need to buy. And I'm just going to have to wait it out and use what's there. And 
hopefully I get caught up, but I I think it's going to take me a couple of years. So unless something changes and my shop finally breaks through or I don't know, I get I get more patrons or I don't even want to put that on the Patreon because I use the Patreon more for like my art stuff and I really don't want to be stuck using it for my bills. I am definitely going to have to for a while, but um, it's really important to me to have a budget for my art stuff. Like, otherwise, what are people supporting, you know? And yeah, I just, I just want my shop to start doing better. Like, I, I really wish that people cared enough to share you know, and this is like, um, I've talked about it before. This is a common complaint for other people that make stuff that the people that they see the most online and that, you know, are often closest to them are least likely to be supportive. Like there's just some kind of blind spot and they go, oh, look, there's my friend's stuff. That's cool. And they don't think I should share that. And, you know, like my first thought is like when I see stuff like if one of my friends posts about a podcast or whatever that they're working on is that I share it because I want to be supportive, you know? Um, so if that's a thing, if you have creative people in your life and you haven't been sharing, maybe reevaluate that. And it doesn't matter if you only have 10 followers because maybe one of those people will share too and they might have more, you know? It's, you know, or maybe that one of those people, one of those 10 people will buy something. You never know. And that's like pretty... I don't know. It has a lot of effect. Just one, just one purchase from like a random person like does so much for me because it gives me hope that like I'm finally reaching out of, out of the whatever it is, the network or whatever that I'm in. That's not the right word. I don't know. I'm not doing good with words today. So the RV is officially on the way here. It's going to be here tomorrow. I am meeting the delivery person in... Petaluma at the DMV. Hopefully they let me know what time because otherwise I'm not sure when and I won't sleep because I'll be worried about it. Um, and I will get it put into my name and get the inspection done and then we'll drive over to the location where it's going to be parked and then they will park it for me. And I got these little things or there's like a couple different names for them, but tire savers is what the, these are what come up when you look for tire savers. Um, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to park it up on those because it helps with stability as well as to protect the tires from uh, getting a flat spot. And I don't know if excited is the right word. I'm just ready to move on to the next stage, but I'm also completely and totally dreading the lifestyle change because it's going to be a lot like a lot, a lot. And like, I've been mentally preparing for it. Like I'm going to have to unplug everything, including the internet when I'm not using it. And I'm not going to have access to a bidet or like a sprayer, which I'm really used to using water when I go to the bathroom. I don't use like toilet paper or whatever. Um, and I'm going to have to get used to not having that convenience because I'll have the composting toilet so you know I'm gonna have to make the choice to either go without and that's 
not my favorite or using like the shower every time, which is just, I can do that, but it's just inconvenient. And, um, you know, like I did find, I was talking about this before and as a follow-up, I did find gauges that you can install for the propane. And um, so I put those on my wish list and I do have a wish list that by the time this posts, it probably won't even be relevant anymore because I will have had to bought, bought the stuff anyway um, because it's pretty much all necessities. Like it's like stuff like a drinking water hose and uh, a water pressure valve thing and stuff that like I like literally will need in order to move in. Um and all of the all of the stuff I was planning on doing to fix it up and make it mine and make it look better, I'm not doing any of it except for one thing. I'm taking the weird things off the walls, but I'm not painting or wallpapering or anything because my finances are so fucked that it feels like my gut is inside out. And I was not anticipating accruing all this debt. Like I did the math on what things were going to cost and um, everything has just ended up costing so much more than that. And so the money that I had to buy an RV and do the roof and all that, it's gone. And I've been re relying on credit cards for the rest of it. And I still need to get solar batteries, which is like a huge expense. And I have just enough space on a credit card for that. And I'm just going to, you know, so, and the debt, the debt is enough to put me in the same position I was in when I was renting, which is that I'm in the negative every month, but I no longer have the savings to rely on to pay for being in the negative every month. So I'm going to have to get rid of my storage unit, which was supposed to be a workshop for me to do art stuff. And I'm no longer going to have space to do some of the art stuff. I'll be able to do others, but there's certain things I will not be able to do anymore. I won't be able to make those items anymore because I will not have space to do those things. Um, and I haven't processed that. I did, I reworked my finances with the new debt that's just been accrued in the last couple of weeks. And I realized how bad it was. And I, I got really upset. And then my brain went, I don't want to think about this anymore. And I started paying attention to other things because I can't do anything about it. You know, I've already put a plan in place to deal with it, but like, I can't, there's, there's, there's no reason for me to sit around and feel bad. So I'm just not going to feel about it. And hopefully all of the things that I've been working really hard on will put me in the right direction so that I can slowly grow towards doing better so that hopefully I can pay this stuff off quicker and have more freedom and eventually be able to afford to get workspace to be able to do the things that I want to be doing. And yeah. And in the meantime, I will find other things and maybe I'll find creative ways to do some of the things that I thought I wasn't going to be able to do. So, you know, I'm not going to stop doing stuff. I'm just going to have some limitations and I will figure it out. So if all goes well, I will be starting to move into the RV in about a week.
from when I'm recording this and will be able to start creating like my workspace. And I think that will be, I think that will help me adapt to the new situation because all of the little changes are going to be stressful. But if I have like this thing that it's providing that's good, you know, it'll just balance out. Well, the person that I'm staying with just got home and the noises are very distracting to me. So I think I am going to wrap this up because I'm already kind of like stumbling on my words. And if I'm distracted, that'll just be like, you'll, you'll just listen and be, be like, huh? Oh, what? Yeah. So thanks for listening and hanging out. And I will talk to you next time.